it's good when we can take care of people and people are understanding when stuff happens, but it is definitely our job to make sure you are taken care of and say, hey, you know, I'm so glad Brian came in today. Brian, guess what I have for you? You know, wait till you try this. So that's been a very fun, unique touch. This is a culture, you know, it, it, yes, it's a business and it's something that we're passionate about, but that culture has just grown. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Grange. I'm joined today by Dylan Tucker, uh, someone who does not totally have a job title. We'll call him the, the Swiss Army Knife, the very versatile worker uh, over at the Meat Board. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Dylan. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, yes, I've, I've been as well. I, I love the Meat Board. Um, I feel almost like a personal connection to it uh, because two years ago before... Uh, you guys actually opened the place. Don came by the school. Yes, uh, sir. Talks about the meat board. You know, we had a long conversation about it. So it's been cool to see your progress. Oh, definitely so. This has been something that he's he's really wanted a good relationship. And, yeah. and I'm glad we've been able to begin to develop that. It's yeah. Been, it's been fun. It, it's awesome. And, and we'll talk we'll talk a bit about your, your personal history uh, later in the podcast. But I do want to start off off the top. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about Don and Nick, the two owners of the meat board, and how they first came up with the idea? Sure. Yes, sir. So uh, Don and, and Doc, I typically refer to, okay. to sure. Dr. Nicholson as Doc. Um, they, they've been in the meat world for, for quite a while. Uh, they, were, they were Aggies themselves. You know, when I was down at A&M, that was, both of them were names that I knew. And... Um, they, they got together, I believe, in the 90s. You know, okay. food safety, that is Doc's specialty. He's a food microbiologist. And he, as they developed their relationship, I, I think when they rounded and got close to retirement, said, you know, why don't we have a good uh, a place where people can be educated about their meat, mm-hmm. a place where people are willing to discuss and talk about cuts and do things like that. So I, I think they saw a need for the education of consumers through through the product, through through meat, through dinner. You know, yeah. um, so that's kind of how that came about. So you talked about how there was a need for it in Fort Worth. So uh, something that I was kind of shocked about when I originally heard the concept was that Fort Worth wasn't overrun with places with meat like this exactly you would think so right right it's cow town exactly and (laughs) and to not have that so did you was there concern that not that there wouldn't be demand was there concern that maybe it wouldn't work if if it hadn't already been here in the past i i think with anything that you go out and do you know there there are those risks and those thoughts so i would imagine yes you know there's always concern but speaking frankly, I, I think the need was was heard enough between them. You know, yeah. I, I feel like they got enough feedback and, and things of that nature to say, okay, this doesn't exist because it's failed. It, yeah. it doesn't exist because it, it's quite the task. It is yeah. quite the task to be to to get a, a butcher shop up and running. Yeah. So yeah, maybe talk about that a little bit. What's, what's yes, like? sir. Well, you've got a lot of things to consider, right? Uh, ultimately, it's the product. What what product you're going to carry? You know, what's what's your target? You know, you can um, get different types of cuts from a lot of different places, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of factors that go into good quality 
other than just quality grade, right? Yeah. You know, our meat is quality graded. Everyone has heard of prime and you have choice and different quality grades. And having a place distinctly to carry the, the higher quality grades, there, there's a bit of risk to that. And um, knowing that it's not just getting the quality grade from there, it's really how you handle it. Too. Yeah. Things that aren't really thought about often is aging. We hear it a lot, and, and I'm sure you all do as well, and, and you hear dry aging, terms of dry aging, but the, the main factor of, of aging really is, is the form of wet aging. And, and having these uh, subprimals wait a little bit. I mean, it's like a wine or, or um, any nice thing that needs to develop flavor. Yeah. You know, these piece of meat isn't alive, but there's activity going on inside. And that activity needs to continue for a while. And that ultimately develops tenderness. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you develop tenderness and beef flavors inside the meat. And that's, that's things that a lot of people don't think about. You know, if you go to neighborhood grocer, that's not always something known about. It's, it's volume, it's turnover. Yeah. And that can be one or two bad steaks at a time. That might just be what, what do it in for you, what sure. make you call quits. So there's a lot of little factors just into the product, the handling, uh, where you're getting it from. And so you're actually doing the aging at the store or are you buying it aged there we're we're doing our best to buy aged okay. uh, but we do have um, a facility that we're able to keep in store which really helps us to be able to time product coming in and one thing to definitely avoid is waste yeah and so i th- i think we've developed of course this is going to grow and change over time uh, for the better but I, I believe we've developed a really good way of having the inventory turnover coming to us at the right time with the right age. Okay. Uh, it's, it's definitely noticeable in the product. We eat a very large majority of the product, if not all of it, but, um, it's something that we're, we're attuned to. Sure. Hey, this, this does have the right age. I tested some steaks. It's great. The tenderness is there, the flavors there, and it's a good time. It's something we take very serious. So when you are doing the, so let's when you're getting the meats, are you going out and making sure that it's properly aged, or, or is there just someone you trust? Um, you know, is there a supplier that you trust right. to send you the right stuff? There, there is trust in suppliers. Yeah. But ultimately, everything's got a date on it. These things aren't uh, meat isn't just cut out and sent out into the world, and you don't know where it goes. It's it's tracked well. Yeah. Um, ages, days of fabrication where it came from, things like that are, we know. So when, when we receive any meat, I know the age that's on it, the day okay. that it was it was handled. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I love that um, you guys sell some meats that are a bit off the, the beaten path. Yes. Um, I love getting the bison and making a nice bison burger, I think is, is the best for that. Um, what, what are some of the other meats that you guys are selling? So the main, the main focus is beef, pork, chicken, lamb, you know, having those staples that you need. But I think it's really the access we have and having the good relationships with people that carry different products for a customer to come in and say, hey, I would like something off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. You know, I've heard rabbits. I mean, I've truly heard it all. Yeah. And it's wonderful to be able to know that we know who to call to be able to get those things. But right, everything kind of comes down to 
inventory and eliminating waste. Sure. So it's not stuff we necessarily have all the time, but it's stuff we have access to. Okay. So a lot of times if you come in the store and, and you ask, hey, Dylan, what's, what's new? What do you have? We'll regularly have a couple of new things because maybe a customer asked for some and we have a little extra and we played around with it and told other customers as we start to learn everyone's preferences Yeah. and say, hey, you know, I'm so glad Brian came in today. Brian, guess what I have for you? You know, wait till you try this. So that's been a very fun, unique touch okay. to be able to do with specific cuts. So. Uh, the quail as well. Quail has gone over really well. It's a Texas quail. Uh, the seafood that we carry, Doc, Dr. Nicholson, yeah. who food microbiologist, been in, specialized in seafood, has been able to select and source for us. So those are always the fun things that someone comes in, they love ribeyes, and they're like, I'm just, I gotta try something new. Try a tuna steak, you know, yeah. and, and it, it makes a difference. It's fun. It's very fun. I, I liked uh, when I had originally talked to Don, he talked about the importance of building that relationship with the customer. And yes, you sir. You kind of mentioned it as well. Yes, sir. How much are you doing uh, on the education side of things, you know, in terms of telling people how to cook this type of meat or, you know, what this type of steak goes best with and, and that right. kind of stuff? I would say that's probably the majority of interactions with, okay. with people. Rather whether or not they are regular or it's their first time in or maybe they're occasional and just come in. I feel that conversation happens with the majority of, of people. You know, they'll say, um, ask doneness questions. How do I cook to a certain temperature, uh, times? These conversations are very normal and typical, okay. which has been so good for me, the education basis of knowing that someone feels comfortable to ask and that we can talk to them in a way that isn't, you know, demeaning or, yeah. or makes someone feel, because that's the difficult part, right? With education, you can be too educated and, and come across as just completely arrogant. Yeah. And I think we've been very fortunate. Everyone kind of has their specialties and I have no problem. Someone's asking me about smoking, not my forte. I know, I know a good amount about it, but I can look at Joe and, and Joe Risky smoking for us and I can say, Hey, Joe, I got someone asking about a brisket. No one knows better than you. Yeah. And, and so that's that's almost created a culture of education. Yeah. You know, we have several times um, customers will end up talking to each other. Oh, I cooked that last week. That's and then cool. we've just got this conversation going and, and you know everyone's fed and happy. And, and it's just so much peace and enjoyment that comes from that. So, and I'm yes. glad you brought up uh, Joe Risky. You, you guys have just a, a really great team. Yes, sir. Uh, the you know, team. It's, yes, it's, sir. It's an amazing team that's, that's been put together. So, you know, props to you guys for that. Yes, um, and, and there's no one more knowledgeable um, than you guys. Uh, so I always learn a lot every time I go in, uh, which is cool. Um, you guys, obviously, you, you, you're selling the meats, uh, selling the seafoods. Um, and then you're open for lunch as well. Yes, sir. Um, when you go for lunch, for the most part, um, we talked about today maybe being a little slower, but for the most part, sure. there's a nice line out the door. Were you expecting to be that successful for lunch? <laughs> I think that might have taken us all by surprise. Yeah. Definitely so. Um, we don't halfway do anything. And that even showed with, with the food service, which was very enjoyable. And to have such knowledgeable people in the industry... Um, help create a good menu, a solid menu, some staples, and seeing people have the food in return again and again has been so enjoyable. I, I, I truly didn't expect it, and I, I think especially at the beginning, 
uh, back when we opened December 31st. Yeah. Once it started rolling in January, I think we had some surprising lunches and thought, hey, we're, we're in for something special. So it, it's been quite a treat that, uh, that has gotten people in the door to taste the food, to say, where does this come from? Mm-hmm. You know, there's some more of that education and trying to have everything that's on your menu in the store available. And you know, a try it before you buy it in, in the sense of taking it home. I love that idea for that sure. a customer, someone can sit, taste it, especially if we're cooking something in the kitchen that day, playing around with sausage and you can pass some out and, and it goes over really well. Yeah. You know, it's, I know that's how I like to be treated. I would like <laughs> to try stuff and, and, it, and it's worked and it's been very pleasant. I mean, you do. You guys just do such a great job with the atmosphere there. Thank um, you. you know, yes, sir. It's it's you walk in. Um, it's nice inside. Everybody's you know got a smiling face and there to help and yes, talk sir. you through the stuff. But then you've also got you know a great patio area and it it's like I don't know everything just goes really well together. And you mentioned that you opened December thirty first. Yes, sir. And of course you're hit four months later, three months later with with. So probably the craziest challenge that any business faces, whether they open this year or, um, and I've talked to a few other businesses that did open this year um, and, and just kind of the challenges they go through. But um, what have you seen as some of the bigger changes uh, since COVID hit uh, compared to what you had expected maybe when you opened? Right. And, and I find that a little hard to answer about ex- expectations because, sure. oh my goodness, how, how everything is, is uh, exceeded expectations, yeah. you know, the lunch service, all of those things. But I definitely see there was a lot more cooking at home, um, at least from what I see customers coming in. A lot of cooking at home had increased through through this time where restaurants yeah. have slowed down, and especially during the uncertainty um, of the availability of meat with, with several things having happened with that. And we've been very fortunate to be able to continue rolling and having no issues like that. But being able to provide people knowing that food safety, sanitation is top notch to us, mm-hmm. right? Surfaces, door handles, doing things like that and making sure people feel comfortable to yeah. come in. And I think what has exceeded my expectations in that regard has been seeing people continually come in and to uh, trust us. Yeah. Ultimately, the best thing that has come out of this has been the support of the community without a doubt has been what has kept us that is not necessarily what i expected going from december 31st having told me in the past or tell me hey an event's going to happen it's it's going to cause you know a lot of disruption and in social interactions i would have never imagined that having such a a loving group of, of a community that truly wants to support you you feel it's your responsibility and duty to get them the best product and to truly take care of them. So the relationship um, that has been developed, that's been the biggest surprise to me, yeah. really, is seeing that, that people truly care and you take care of them and they take care of you. And it's just a wonderful cyclical event that occurs. Yeah. And, and I'll say on, on my end, uh, just two quick things. One, I'm I'm not at a point where I'm I'm really ready to eat out yet. You right. Know, it's it's yes, not sir. something that I'm ready to go sit in a restaurant and and you know I have a bit of germophobia myself and so uh, some of that stuff's tough. Um, 
And by the way, we are doing this in person, but we're sitting here with masks. And, yes. Um, it's cool. This is my first one in person in, in months, so it's, it's fun to do it. Um, but I did go eat um, because you guys have such a great patio set up. And, yes, sir. And so you've, you've taken care of people like me that aren't ready to go sit in a restaurant. You've got a great patio set up. And then uh, just in the customer service aspect, um, I'd ordered a chicken sandwich. Um, I think the ticket got lost. and. Um, it was only, I mean, the delay was, was very minimal, but, um, next thing I know, Joe Risky's coming out with yes, a sandwich sir. and a gift card and, you know, it's kind of a looking out for the customer, which, which is really cool. And, and right. it would have been very easy to just bring me my sandwich. I wasn't complaining or anything mm-hmm. like that, but you guys went above and beyond. And, and I think that's neat. Right. Well, well, thank you for that. Thank yeah. you. That, that shows me that it, it does make the difference. And, you know, you always want to minimize, minimize errors. But sometimes they do happen, right? Yeah. In a food service, tickets do get lost, or the computer doesn't talk to the printer. Yeah. Things things happen. But I do think with having people that are, like you said, the team, the team that wants to be there, yeah. that wants to look over at your table while you're eating and just see the biggest smile, yeah. you know, that's, you can't recreate that any other way mm-hmm. than true service. And I appreciate, you know, I appreciate being able to, to serve you and, and I don't want anyone waiting and, and things like that. So it's it's good when we can take care of people and people are understanding when stuff happens, but it is definitely our job to make sure you are taken care of. And yeah. the atmosphere does continue to be, wow, I know I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna be taken care of. Yeah. And, and the food is gonna be good, right? Absolutely. And the food is good. I, I haven't tried the steak sandwich yet. I, I do plan to my next time, um, minus the blue cheese. Sorry if, if that offends. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I found the BLT. I found the chicken. They're both great. Uh, do you have a favorite on the menu? Well, it all depends on my mood. I can tell you I've eaten a significant amount of all of it, for sure. I've found very different variations and ways to do it. But I would probably say the tenderloin sandwich. Okay. I mean, that's what, to me, that's what started it. That's that's the flavor I expected when we were trying and saying, hey, this is going to be our sandwich. Yeah. That tenderloin sandwich is definitely it for me. But there is nothing on the menu that you can go wrong with. Yeah. Do you, do you guys so. have a rotating menu? Is there seasonal items? We've, we've begun to do seasonal items. And we've done it um, historically in the past and, and pre- uh, social changes, we did do a couple of events. We had Miss Jess Priles come by. Um, she's known for the hardcore carnivore, mm-hmm. food blogger, phenomenal, phenomenal lady. And we did a pop-up and did tortas. Okay. And they were delicious. And it was a good time. Uh, we've done a few things like that. And I, I think we're trying to gauge and see how are people going to react? Uh, can we do it in a safe manner? Is it going to cause too many people to be in? So how we're doing that now is occasionally rolling out a sandwich, um, something special, something fun, and that happens um, on occasion. And that's where marketing, and I got to give Miss Julia a ton of credit and being able to get those posts out there. Hey, this is the new sandwich because it's only a day. Maybe it's two days and you don't have much time to prep, but her ability to get it out there and for us to see faces asking specifically for that, it's it's been quite a treat. So, yes, seasonal will occur, definitely. We do have our staples, and that's the majority. However, there are fun things that we like to to get out there, too. Yeah. To keep it going, you know. For sure. So, everyone, everyone go check out the meat board. 
Um, I want to actually before <laughs> I did have a couple questions um, yes. about you, but before that, um, just last thing about the meat board. Um, I love the the architectural aspect of it with the um, uh, conference room. Yes, uh, it's a beautiful little room. Uh, we've had a couple uh, neat meetings there. Um, how are you guys utilizing that uh, on a daily basis, and are you able to still do those classes that you had been doing pre-COVID? That's on hold yeah. for now, and we want to want to do that for the safety of everyone. Yeah. Um, not create a, a hot spot where there is a lot of touching. You know, in the food world, you're, you're touching food, you're you're handling utensils, you're passing utensils. A lot of things like that go on, and we would like to eliminate. You know, having people crowded. Yeah, for sure. Um, it is the full intention to utilize that boardroom again. Yeah. Um, just going to give it, give it some time. Okay. Give it some time. Let's see what can, what can happen. Uh, this is not an official statement by yeah, any, no, no, by no, no, any no, means, for sure. for but sure. I'm, I'm very eager. I, I miss it. I, that's a great place for, for fellowship to just go on in this world. And you have advocates from agriculture to the culinary side and just everything in between to where it's a phenomenal meeting place and to have and utilize a room like that um it burns a little bit to look and, and not yeah. be able to use it but i, I do anticipate hopefully soon and there's no telling right yeah, but of course but we'll we'll play it by the right way and when it is time yes classes full effect Cool. Um, getting some good things lined up. So there are great things in the future to come for sure out of that boardroom. Yeah, it's exciting. And um, it does also have just a giant picture, a real cool picture of Don's ranch. Oh, yeah. I think it's a, a neat little touch to it as yes, well. Yes, sir. Um, I think it's a very personable room when you walk in and, mm -hmm. and know that, you know, these people have confidence and to see the cattle. That That's yeah. the biggest to me. We, we have had our hands in cattle, all of us at different points in our lives. And that's that's been something to show that this is real to us. Yeah. You know, the the live side all the way through is is a reality and a, a real thing that we have a good understanding or, or try to have a, a very thorough understanding of to be also to be able to also share that confidence with people that, that want that education that we talked about earlier. Yeah, and, and I think what's neat for you is that, um, you know, you, you've taught a class here at the school uh, about meat fabrication. Uh, I know you went to school, I, I believe it was for animal science. Correct. Um, and so for you, I, I think there is a little bit of that teaching background, maybe. I know you did it a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, the educating in school. Um, so just tell me a little bit about yourself. Did you expect to get into what you're doing today, or did you think you would be more on the teaching side? Or I definitely thought that it would be out in the retail or, okay. or some on this side of education. Uh, education's always tried to keep it as a practicality yeah. you know if it's practical and and having my undergraduate in animal science and working on my master's in meat science which that is a thing <laughs> it is a thing <laughs> only in texas oh yes right and, and <laughs> it's i mean it's a phenomenal field of study that covers everything from the live side you talk about animal nutrition and the effects on that i mean it's such a intricate you have to have a lot of skills and a lot of understanding from biology and, and food and ingredients and mm -hmm. store. I mean, it's just, it's such a large field and an enjoyable one at that. And so that, that's my educational background. Um, I didn't see me teaching. Teaching was a part of, of 
masters and working through that and and I thoroughly enjoyed that when when you're in such a particular discipline yeah. right you have the people that want to be there and when you see them wanting to know some of the stuff that you just learned right you it's it's not been a decade long process we're yeah. talking you know 5 years or so you love to pass that on and, and be able to say, hey, I, I see that fire you have. What is it about this industry or this product that really gets you? And yeah. so I have enjoyed the teaching. I think it's been a huge blessing in my life. Mm-hmm. It's gotten me out of my shell for sure. But um, no, I didn't, I didn't see myself teaching. I, okay. did, I didn't imagine uh, being in a classroom or being a professor. But however, that's kind of translated to being able to, like you mentioned before, the fabrication that we put on not mm-hmm. too long ago that I thoroughly enjoy. Yeah, and you're, I mean, you're very good at it. You know, you, Thank you. you obviously Thank have you. that. And, and even just talking with you, I think people can hear that. Um, so from a, a, just a personal standpoint, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm not in any sense a vegan or anything like that. You know, I, I right. eat a lot of meat. Um, my cousin is a vegan. And so I've, mm-hmm. I've kind of learned about that side of things. And I think for me, sometimes it's hard when you think about these being real animals and, and that kind right. of thing. And, I think what's neat with you is it sounds like there's a deep respect. Very and, deep. And, yes, and sir. The, you know, it sounds like it runs through the whole meat board. And, yes, um, sir. So where does that respect come from? And, and maybe if you could just take a second to educate people that maybe just feel like, you know, killing cows is wrong or whatever sure. it is. You know, tell me a little bit about that respect that goes into it and, and why that's such an important part right, of the process. Right, right. And, and I will start by saying I completely respect someone's someone's feelings towards um feeling against it yeah i I do respect it and i understand that's someone's moral obligation that i have no right to speak on right um but i i feel the confidence is the agriculture that i've been exposed to i was fortunate to grow up and we would have a couple of cows and we would feed one out i mean this was an animal i was very close to right i spent a lot of time uh, to me, it was kind of understanding a purpose, mm-hmm. and I felt pride. I felt very, and still do to this day, knowing that I put time and care and appreciation into this animal, and it has provided a very high quality, uh, nutrient rich and dense uh, material for us to consume. Yeah, and very flavorful. It, it, it's it's cyclical, right? The animal you treat the animal correct. Um, you treat the animal with respect. You, you make sure there's water. You feed it. You know, you, you care for them. And their success is your success. Yeah. And seeing that people do take care of their animals, um, even if it's, it's for no other reason than economics, mm-hmm. um, people do take care of their animals because ultimately it leads to a better product. Yeah. And for me, I, I do just have a, a deep respect for animals. I, I did hunt as a child. I feel my father did a really good job in stealing in me. You know, if, if you're going to hunt and if you're going to do these things, you're going to utilize it. Yeah. You're going to utilize it. It's, it's not a game, um, but it's something to be enjoyed and to nourish you and your family. Yeah. And, and so that's my background and seeing okay this is why i'm comfortable being in this field uh in this industry yeah. and i i see everyone 
that I interact with in the same light, mm-hmm. you know, from knowing uh, other students or people from my youth doing 4-H and FFA, these agriculture programs, and, and seeing students and, and young adults care for the things that are around them. And, and to take the time, it teaches phenomenal discipline. And, and I did see a trend, especially in school, uh, when I was teaching as well, as those students tended to be more on it. They mm-hmm. tended to be more... Um, responsible we'll say responsible because i do think they've had they see the value in the animal they have taken care of that animal and that has taught them you know respect that has taught them how to stay um to be good stewards of what we're given Mm -hmm. ultimately that that's that's the best phrase i could think to say is i want to be a good steward and i think agriculture in this field has a tendency to reproduce that in people is to be a good steward of the land of the animals and and of people our resources it's a very intricate (laughs) intricate industry for sure now i i well first of all i appreciate you taking the time to answer that i I know i kind of put you on the spot with that question but no you're um, fine you know I, i think that's a great answer and i hope that Anyone that maybe has hesitations about it or whatever, I think yes. at least they can, even if they're not going to eat the meat or whatever, they right. can respect what you're doing. And I think right. I think that's the cool um, the cool thing about that. Uh, when you were at school, it seemed like you had some some strong thoughts on, on different cuts of meat and which was your favorites and which maybe weren't your favorites. And you don't have to go into the not favorites, but sure. what, what are some of your favorite cuts of a, a beef? Oh, favorite cuts of beef. I, I definitely have to do my shout out to Brazilian cuisine. Picanha. Oh, it is just, it is so flavorful. Yeah. It, it is one of my absolute favorite cuts. My wife, as as much as I've exposed her to, to meat and new cuts and things of that nature, that's a question I'll get asked regularly is, when are we going to do another picanha? <laughs> and it's just such an enjoyable cut. Uh, in the meat industry, it's called a culotte. You know, several cuts have, have different names. Um, so that one's up there. Yeah. And then not far behind or even beside, depending on the day, is just a ribeye. Okay. I love the the flavor that a ribeye can give you. Um, there's still texture to it. There's still a good texture to it. Um, but it is not tough by any means. Right with the right age, the right quality grade, right? Like we referred to yeah. earlier. So many factors that can go into these things. Uh, breed, what type of, of cattle it was, can go into the tenderness. But... Ribeye is definitely up there. It's got a good bite, good texture, and, and phenomenal flavor. Uh, skirt steaks, yeah, which are traditionally the the original fajita, mm-hmm. and can't go wrong with skirt steaks. Yeah, just can't. Whether you do it carne asada or you do it for fajitas, it's got just really good flavor. And, and a lot of what this comes down to, which I guess I've been hinting at the whole time is the fat. Mm-hmm. The fat is the flavor of the animal for sure. Yeah. Yes, sir. I think we should do like some kind of video or something where it's just you talking about the different cuts of meat and showing them. Because <laughs> I mean, that class was one of the most interesting things I've ever sat in on. Well, then we need to put it together. Yeah, Let's exactly. Make it happen. <laughs> um, so I encourage anyone go out to the meat board and, and ask Dylan <laughs> about about some cuts. Um, just to kind of wrap it up, um, what does the future look like for the meat board? Obviously, you guys are young, not even a year old. Um, it, obviously, hopefully, we'll get back to doing the classes and stuff like that. Um, is there any kind of anything else to look for in the future? Or are you just you know still going to keep trucking along? I think it's a combination. 
we're definitely trucking along, but there's a lot of good things coming, yeah. you know, with, with all of this, this team that we're going to refer to that is, I mean, I could spend an entire podcast talking about the team. We're just so blessed with all the people that have their specialties and, and what makes them unique and applying that to the goal of the meat board, right? Yeah. Premium stakes and provisions, providing for the community and, and being able to do that. So there are a lot of good things to come. I feel like every time I turn around, we're talking about something new. Yeah. Um, nothing I want to straight up say. So that's fine. It's, it's definitely, stay tuned. Uh, this is, this is a, a, a living entity that continually grows. And we grow with, with our community. We grow with the need. Uh, we grow with, ultimately, the knowledge that we understand how it affects product and, and being able to provide yeah. that product so there's good things to come from the meat ward it keeps us on our toes and keep everyone else on their toes but you referring to the uh just one thing i wanted to touch on with that was you referred to the atmosphere mm-hmm. and i believe it was last saturday or the saturday before which we are respecting the social distancing we are wearing masks inside the store um, and asking customers to do the same but even out of all of that a customer had made a comment about how in the world has a butcher shop become like a barber shop? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and seriously. and become such a an <laughs> interesting that. bustle of, of information, this hustle and bustle of, of talk and and you know a huge spectrum, right from yeah. from culinary to the live side, and it has been just the quality of people that that work there and that come in to the store and become a part of the family. And I hope you've gotten to experience that and and realize this is a culture, you know, it, it, yes, it's a business and it's something that we're passionate about, but that culture has just grown. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to contribute. It all comes into play. And so the fun things to come, I feel like it's a family and I want the family out there to know, Hey, we've got good things coming. Let us know your request. What are some things y'all would like to see? Yeah. But it, it's definitely a living entity with uh, with a little barbershop feel to it it's, of it's sorts. It's the perfect description. I mean, it's, <laughs> I, I was thinking the other day when I was in there, what is this like? And it was like yes. a barbershop. And the funny thing, I, I had gone in, in late January. Mm-hmm. Um, we had gone, had a meeting over there with, with Don and uh, Joe and... Um, it that feels like it might as well have been like four years ago. This <laughs> is like all the stuff that's happening, right? Um, but you know, there there was a little bit of that budding already, mm-hmm. and now it's it's like fully grown. And and the fact that it's taken off, even like you said, with people wearing masks and distancing, yes. and I, I think it's really neat. And, and major props to you guys. So um, for anyone that wants to visit the store, will you just tell them where it's located and then uh, where they can find you on social media as well? Yes, absolutely. So we are located on 6314 Camp Bowie Boulevard. We're in between the Wells Fargo and the Walgreens. Mm-hmm. Um, social media, I believe you can Facebook and Instagram, the meat board, and it, it'll pop up. Great pictures uh, on there. Yes, yes. Yeah. We... And, that's been the other fun thing, the interaction, what, what people send to us and post their dinners. They'll come in the store and say, look at this, I sent it to you on <laughs> Facebook, and they'll show dinner, and, and it's just phenomenal. Yeah. That, that's made it completely worth it. So those are the platforms to stay in touch with us, stay, stay up to date, and of course, um, to those that would like to but, but still really want to keep their distance, we are doing 
curbside, of course. I know everyone's trying to cater to that, and, and it's a wonderful thing that we've been able to try and do. And we also have online options um, to respect those that have a lot going on and that need to self-quarantine and be able to continually take care of them. And so if, if that's if someone's listening and falls into that category, stay tuned with us, stay up to date on Facebook, feel like you're there, and we hope to see you in the store soon. Yeah, cool. And I'm just finding out open until 6 o'clock, so lunch six and o'clock. dinner, which is awesome. So. Well, lunch is from 11 to 2, and then the butcher shop is, okay. is 10 to 6. So, six. so, Got it. so Got dinner it. is you taking home and, yes, and exactly. cooking. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes. that's right. That's right. Uh, well, Dylan, thanks so much for oh, coming Oh, thank on. you for having me, yeah, James. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. Yeah, yes, so sir. hopefully we'll... Maybe we'll have you back at some point when um, when there's some more updates and stuff, and then uh, we'll definitely do that video as well. I greatly look forward <laughs> to it, definitely, James. That episode was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu, or you can reach them by phone at 817 737-8427.